Here's Johnny. I'll be back. And you will know my name is the Lord. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Box Office Pulp, your one podcast stop for movies, madness, moxie, and tonight, Mike's chilling descent into eternal madness. That's right, we have another Tales from the Bop episode for you, this time focusing on the snowman. I'm Cody, and joining me to hear Mike's tale of woe is Jamie. I'm so glad I didn't have to watch this movie. Same here. Same here. The same, unfortunately, cannot be said for Mike, who, you watched this twice? I am in a snowy, snowy hell right now. Sucks. I was so excited for the snowman. I was so, so excited. It's Fassbender having a cat and mouse battle against a snowman-themed serial killer. (laughs) And this is a prestige director, isn't it? This is the director of Let the Right One In and Tinker Tailor's Soldier Spy. Oh, that's very sad. I was wondering what happened to that guy. A movie... That's based on a best-selling, rave-reviewed book that was at one point going to be directed by Martin Scorsese. He still uh, is like a producer or executive producer or something on this thing. Yeah, wasn't it like legal trouble that kept him out of it? Like he had an obligation to direct another film, so he had to vacate the director's chair? Yep, he was, uh, he was pretty much all ready to go with it for a while. But uh, legal, legal, legal snafus took place with uh, contracts. The, the same thing that put Emily Blunt in a uh, Gulliver's Travels film. So that's a little, oh, little side quest. Uh, I had nothing to do. I just, I, I, I like the analogy. Um, I forgot that movie existed, actually, until just now. Uh, good. I'm glad I've tortured you with that information about Jack Black's Gulliver's Travels film. I've only seen the trailer, though. I mean, it's not like I have that scarred in my brain. I just have to remember, like, the 30 seconds I've wasted on that film. And oh, games. I've seen it. And oh, the boy. scars are always fresh. We're actually going to switch gears. Now it's Tales from the Pop about Gulliver's Travels. <laughs> we might have to add that to the list because I'm curious and I don't actually want to watch it myself. But Mike, <laughs> this is apparently a, a three-day-long movie. Why don't you jump right in and start explaining what, what the hell happened to the snowman? The snowman is what happens when you're unable to film most of your script. So I'm I'm very curious. How long did you say the movie actually was? It's it's like an hour. It's under two hours. Or something like that? It's an hour yeah. and fifty three minutes with credits. But okay, so it's almost two hours long, and yet they didn't film most of the script. A lot of production problems ended up happening. It just sort of suddenly got money and then went into production. The director had absolutely no time, and the filming moved to London out of nowhere, and just logistical things. They had to keep jettisoning stuff they needed to film. London, well known for their copious amounts of snowy cheer. (laughs) Their copious amounts of Norway. (laughs) London, Norway, I mean, I can barely tell the difference. So, yeah, when you're dealing with a, uh, a mystery film... Actually having all of the parts to the mystery is kind of important. So what you end up with, and what I realized by the time the credits started to roll and I realized I wasted my morning, was you have the room with A-list actors. Because there's a lot of just bizarre things that end up taking place. 
a lot of staging that doesn't quite make sense, things popping in and out of the film, plot lines that just come out of nowhere and then don't tie into anything else, but are still there for some reason. Just, eh. alright. Box office pulp guy has, has groggily woken up, pulled himself out of his car, beer bottles and tequila bottles have crinkled on the ground, ding, 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 ding. and it's time to enter my mind palace. And my mind palace is currently a raging snowstorm starring a bored Michael Fassbender. We open on a house in the middle of fuck all Norway. There is a young boy looking out a window, seeing uh, a car drive up, and he's yelling to his mom that uh, Uncle Jonas has arrived. Early, uh, apparently. He's apparently usually there on Tuesday. I am unsure why we were regaled with this information, but I'm glad you <laughs> guys know, as, as, as I now know, that Uncle Jonas usually appears on Tuesday. So, uh, he brings food and stuff, and he starts um, teaching the boy, like, Norwegian history or some such shit, uh, while the mother is sitting there at the, uh, at the table playing with coffee beans. Uh, the coffee beans will be a recurring motif, kinda. It depends if the movie remembers they're supposed to be a recurring motif. <laughs> <sighs> so, anyway, whenever the kid is uh, wrong or doesn't know something exactly... Um, good old Uncle Jonas slaps the boy's mother. And then the boy has to eat ten espresso beans. Uh, so he ends up knocking her out of the chair after the boy doesn't get, in, like, enough things correct. Uh, at which point Uncle Jonas stands up and begins undressing as the boy then scrambles to the floor to pick up the coffee beans that, uh, that fell and then runs outside to build a snowman. He uses the beans as tea. That's why he grabs the, the coffee beans. Ah. Uh. Oh, I, for a second there, I thought this movie didn't make sense. All the all all this scene has happens within like the span of like a minute. Okay, this seems concerning to me because who makes a snowman with teeth? <laughs> a lot that, of people that, that's do. More... That's 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 actually a normal snowman. Uh, maybe like big lumps of coal to make a smile, but in my mind, that's not teeth. That's just the outline of a mouth. Is this really the part of the movie you're going to take issue with, Cody? <laughs> you're going to be so here a long time. <laughs> I'm sorry the this snowman is the isn't realistic enough to, if, to you. What, does he add ears on, too? Like, this is a step too far. It's That's the silly. It's not a exactly. Mr. Potato Head. I'm, not, I'm sorry it's not a fucking ice sculpture, Cody. They're in Norway. They got other shit to do. Like harvest coffee beans for making snowman teeth. But anyway. So Jonas is banging the mom upstairs in one of the most hilarious grunting sexings of all time. And he seems like afterwards he's almost having a heart attack, like he just ran a goddamn marathon. Like he brought Samson fucks. <laughs> so the boy is watching this and kind of listens to their um, the afterglow conversation where the mom informs Jonas that she's going to tell his wife that the boy is actually his kid. So Jonas is like, then you'll never see me again. He leaves in a huff. Seemingly what you'd assume is what the mother was aiming for, right? <laughs> so anyway, the boy and the mother fucking run screaming after Jonas, pleading with for him not to leave and chase him in their car. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> Yakety Sax is playing the whole time. They lose Jonas because of like uh, the snow and shit and all the winding roads. So the mother decides to just drive the car onto a frozen lake to commit suicide. <laughs> what? We are I've... less than five minutes into the film. I've never seen a movie where they chase after the abusive dad. <laughs> no, come back. Also, do, do they not know where Jonas lives? Is he just a mystery man of the woods? Like, they, they couldn't just drive to his house? <laughs> oh, no, he, he walk into Blizzard like Yeti. <laughs> he belongs to the snow now. <laughs> this is how Norwegians talk. Uh, remember that recurring bit on Conan O'Brien? Conan O'Brien hates my country. <laughs> <laughs> Said it's... your angry letters to Box Office Pulp hates my homeland. Care a P.O. Box? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. We're going to have so many angry Norwegians. So at uh, about four minutes and 40 seconds into the film, the boy gets out of the car and pleads with his mother to uh, to get out too, but she just kind of stares at him as the ice breaks and the car sinks, at which point we finally cut to opening credits, which are punctuated with the sounds of Fassbender snoring. Oh, I was really hoping it was going to be the immigrant song. Like, in my mind, this is just like a knockoff version of uh, the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. Oh, that's, what's a, that's what the movie's intended to be. It's why that's it got, got money. The trailers, yeah. Um... Also, I love the idea of then cutting to the titles because it just makes it look like it's a superhero origin story. Like the ice <laughs> is going to give them power. <laughs> I must become the snowman, mother. <laughs> Why is the snow sentient? <laughs> I don't know. This movie's crazy. Oh I'm god, just then as soon as it gets like, hot out, it dies. That's so depressing. It's a, uh, <laughs> a short-lived cycle. So, we meet our hero, Harry Hole, waking up. I'm going, I want to pause and say, god damn it, god damn it, god damn it, what a name. Norwe Norwegian, come on, it makes sense. It's like Smith over there. Is Hole a, a common Norwegian surname? Tee hee hee hee, you said Hole. So Harry's passed out from being drunk the night before on a park bench. Um, whether or not there has been a time jump, whether or not that kid from the beginning is Harry, whatever the context of anything is, will not become clear until much, much later, because at less than 10 minutes in, this movie goes out of its way to make you as confused as possible. I have to admit that's better than I was expecting. I swear to God, I thought you were going to say, we never know. <laughs> we never return to poor Jonas. It's like the beginning of a serious man. Just make make whatever you want out of that. In a way, we, we truly do never know. Um... But on the point of I, I, this movie making you as confused as possible, Harry goes home where he finds a little dog, like, lapping up some liquid of some kind, and then he nearly shoots a man wearing a hazmat suit. In the same scene? Uh, this is after the rest of the opening credits play that's that are played over shots of Harry walking home, holding all of his belongings in a grocery bag, which he holds a lot throughout the film. So he goes home, sees the dog, turns around, nearly kills a guy wearing a full goddamn fucking hazmat suit. 
Um, wait, important question. When you say grocery bags, we're going to be stuck with this for like the next hour. So I've got this pictured correctly in my mind, Palace. Is this a paper grocery bag with like a baguette sticking out of it? Or is this a plastic one with handles? It's plastic. Oh, okay. That makes it a lot easier to carry around. No, he doesn't just carry around a goddamn frozen baguette with him at, at all <laughs> times around Norway. <laughs> Well, that's how people know you have groceries. There's a baguette sticking out of the They're not bag. full of groceries. If they were full of groceries, it would apply. Otherwise, it's just a paper bag filled with your shit. I was like, can I just add that this would be perfect if it were the opening of a Pink Panther movie? <laughs> Clouseau comes home and there's just a dude in his ha- in a hazmat suit. Aha! Assassin! <laughs> they wrestle. I could also see Clouseau walking around all of London with a giant grocery bag with a giant baguette sticking out the end for like three-fourths of a film. It would make a lot of sense. Okay, um, so it's a plastic bag, no baguette. Gotcha. Moving yes. on. So anyway, it, it the reason there's a hazmat guy there is apparently Harry's uh, building has mold and they're spraying for it because of uh, dry rot and whatnot. This has nothing to do with the rest of the plot. <laughs> He's told he needs to find somewhere else to go, but we constantly see him back in his apartment. But occasionally he's <laughs> also in sleeping poison. in, like, different places, so the movie does not make up its mind whether or not this scene actually happened. <laughs> um, Harry also discovers some concert tickets uh, that are a birthday gift for, for someone with the unfortunate name of Oleg. Um... It seemed like the way Harry looks as he looks at the uh, tickets, he seems to have forgotten something. So we immediately cut to Charlotte Gainsbourg. Is she Oleg? Who Harry has gone to see. And Harry is standing outside of a, of, of a window of her art gallery, it looks like. And they see each other and look at each other. And then Harry leaves. And we cut inside a police station with Harry arriving. No idea what's going on here at all. Just... I don't know why he went to see her and then left, or who that character even is yet. All right, I'm changing scores in my head. It was Yaki Sacks. Now it's uh, the Beatles, like, woke up, got out of bed, great comb across my head. And it's just, it's going to be that nightmare just on loop for the rest of this movie. So Harry sits down at the uh, cafeteria in the police station uh, to have a, you know, a bit of spot of breakfast, finally, eight hours later. And he begins opening um, a week's worth of mail. Now, from the scolding he's getting from who I assume to be his boss, but we can surmise Harry has disappeared for a week, possibly on some kind of bender. He appears to be an alcoholic. It is around this time I feel like an apt description for this film is you're trying to constantly ascertain what's going on moment to moment, like it's its own mystery. Ah, <laughs> uh, the old meta mystery. You think you like this movie? Solve it. Which you think would make the movie like some kind of audience participation mystery, so it makes it interesting. It's not. It's terrible. It's boring. Don't watch it. Anyway, uh, one of the letters Harry opens is this like um, mysterious letter with a little drawing of a snowman on it. Uh, I, I, I shall read you the letter. I, I transcribed it. Mr. Police, you really could freeze to death that way. While you were lying there, I was watching Mummy. By the time you read this, I will have built her and then a little cartoonish snowman drawing. Harry brings this up to no one. I like the idea of, of our main character instead of being called Harry Hole being called Mr. Police. He's a superhero. He's Mr. Police to the rescue. 
Like, is, he, is he just engaged in a cat and mouse game with a five-year-old the entire movie? Because that would be interesting. <laughs> Stop, roll, shoot, and he just blows away a five-year-old. The games are over, Timmy. No, no, Mr. Police. The games have only just begun. You'll never take me alive. He's like one of those battery-powered pedal car things. Fucking, uh, he slides down a slide. Harry has to go with him. There's dramatic music. <laughs> You'll never guess what I left inside of that box. Your wife's pretty little head. He just looks down, there's a fucking jack in the box covered in blood. And he slowly cranks it. No, Harry, don't. It's the only way I can see what's inside. Credits. Boogers. It's just boogers. Oh! And Okay, we're not getting paid... We're not getting paid to make the snowman better. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Good point, <laughs> so, good point. This is a waste of our talents. Be bored, folks at home. Zony, from uh, Harry reading a letter from a serial killer, we just we just cut to him finally meeting up with Gainsburg to figure out what the fuck's going on there. Um, he tells her he totally didn't forget about Oleg's birthday. Now, we know that's untrue, but, you know, Harry, alcoholic. We guess we've only met him five minutes prior. <laughs> um, now, it turns out that Oleg really wants to meet his real father. I'm going to skip ahead somewhat because <laughs> fuck it. It, it. Oleg's real father is clearly Harry, but Oleg doesn't know that. If I'm wrong, I don't think I am, but fuck you if you're arguing with me. I haven't read the book yet. I want to. I own it. I'm going to soon. That's impressive determination, man. Like, I, I, I think if I had that bad an experience, I don't know if I'd return back to the source of the crime. Well, the book is completely fucking different than the movie, so it matters not. Um, I, I'm just mystified that he has a kid conceivably named Oleg Hole. <laughs> <It's like laughs> That's a, a wrestling limerick. name, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> um, I could also honestly just tell you who the killer is up front, but it wouldn't make understanding of the movie any goddamn easier. This is the point where Mike points to the audience and he says the killer was you all along and then you feel bad. Oh, God damn you, William <laughs> Castle. Um, <laughs> With my new blame vision <laughs> I was here on a date, Castle. How am I supposed to go home with her now? She thinks I'm a killer. I'm being arrested. I guess she'll have to go to the falsely accused corner in the lobby. <laughs> Get out of here, Castle, and then they sweep him away. <laughs> If you want a refund, you have to go stand in the snitches corner, and then you get stitches, because that's what snitches get. I like the idea of William Castle being like this imp of the theater who then like gives you uh, an ironic gimmick to the film you're watching if he appears. I feel like we should explore this mythology more in something that doesn't involve the snowman. Hold up, hold up. Just the idea of William Castle being a Rumpelstiltskin-type <laughs> character running around the theater, but still with his, like... Little <laughs> D, I'm William Castle. Kind of voice. He's John Goodman. Oh God, I could see him selling every movie under the sun. It's a romance movie, and he's over there like, oh, you have to go down Lovers Lane now. And then there's just a weird taped-off heart section in the movie theater where people are just boning. I, this honestly sounds like the coolest horror film of all time. Can we make this? 
<laughs> like William Castle is just eating and it's going through him like he's Slimer. Movies! <laughs> 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 how, how has no one done this? How has no one made a Slimer version of William Castle to be a horror, a horror anthology host? But he's the fan of the opera, but it's a sleazy movie theater. I want this to be the new Tales from the Crypt. I want this to be the new Vault of Horrors. Like, this is, this is beautiful. I want this so much. Call up Joe Dante. We make matinee the series. <laughs> Box office pulp is done. We can't beat this joke. This is what I'm going with for the rest of my producing career. Good night, everybody. Good night. The snowman's dead. Spoiler, spoilers. The snowman dies. All snowmen die, Cody. It's, yeah, boy. Summer's a real bitch. Anyway, off of that. I do literally just want to end now. That was beautiful. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) we must soldier on because I spent six hours of my life rewatching this film. That does make me want to end the episode right now, though, because, boy, that'd be mean. That that would be fantastic. That would be our own William Castle gimmick. Uh, But a storm is rolling in, so I think that's perfect. Um, So from that, Harry is looking into a bar, and then he's immediately passed out on a sidewalk within like 30 seconds. That's his superpower. He drinks that fast. Bit of a lightweight, Harry Hole. <laughs> or he um, has teleportation abilities. He got the whiff of alcohol in the air and just fucking passed out. <laughs> uh, we then go to a woman walking to her car, and she's hit in the back by a snowball. And no one's uh, visibly around. She is somehow in no way visibly bothered by this. And just goes about her business. So... She goes home where she meets up with her daughter, who's being watched by an angry James Darcy. (laughs) James Darcy is mad that she's late, and he leaves. I just want to say, it is important to note that angry James Darcy is still a handsome son of a bitch. Please tell me he doesn't have any further role in this movie. They just need him to show up and sit in the corner just being consumed with anger. Okay, let me just say the first time I watched this, I thought this character and when he does reappear were two completely different characters. Because <laughs> you only get an up-close shot of Darcy for a brief second in this scene, and he's doing kind of a different accent, so it was completely lost on me this was James Darcy. I just like the implication that every Norwegian household has a house Darcy that takes care of the kids. <laughs> just don't give him any socks or underwear. He'll just leave. <laughs> House no, Darcy's James Darcy free. is a free Darcy. <laughs> you have given James Darcy an ascot. So, um, some more snowballs hit a uh, a window, and the woman looks out to see a snowman that's been built right outside of her house. We then cut away from that to Rebecca Ferguson arriving at Oslo Police Headquarters. And Harry's there. He slept on a random couch. So he wakes up and he meets her in the smoking room. Uh, it turns out that Ferguson is new, just transferred uh, from Bergen, the city of Bergen. Uh, she also lets us know during this scene at the academy they actually study Harry's cases. Now, so is Harry actually good at crime? Like, is he good at stopping crime? Or uh, it's going to become abundantly clear everyone's terrible what they do in this movie, but Harry is supposed to be like fucking Batman. <laughs> Does the movie provide any evidence of this at any point? Because so far no, it looks like he's just a drunk who does a poor job alerting his boss to his, you know, indiscretions. And maybe starting with the book where it's Harry at his lowest probably wasn't a good call either, but hey. <laughs> I just, can you imagine Will Graham? 
just passing out randomly whenever he enters. (laughs) (laughs) And just reading a child's snowman note. Use the crayons, didn't you, son of a bitch? (laughs) This is my design. And inside is just a fucking shitty drawing of a snowman. (laughs) I eat the glue. I like how it tastes. Uh, I I, sh- I should also I think mention that in the books I believe Harry is way fucking older than Fassbender, so I was very confused during this scene because Fassbender and Ferguson are like close to the same age, but apparently she's been studying Harry's cases at the academy. <laughs> uh, he was cracking cases when he was fourteen. He's a former boy detective, baby detective on the case, baby detective Fassbender, baby detective Hole. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you you were going to trigger like the wrong tags on that man. Yeah, I know. It would, be, it would do great for box office pulp. We're gonna be on the dark web. Oh uh, no, they keep stealing my ID. Um. Anyway, uh. So Ferguson awkwardly leaves. We catch the little girl waking up, looking for her mom. And I feel like this scene would have been better served after the ominous snowman shot. But hey, whatever. Editing's hard. Uh, she can't find her ma- uh, her mom anywhere. And then we go back to Harry at the precinct. It's now night. Uh, or early evening. It kind of goes back and forth. Feels like it should be several hours earlier, but whatever. Um, an entire day has seemingly gone by, and Harry, I guess, has accomplished nothing. I'm assuming he's an alcoholic. Um, he asks Ferguson for a ride because he has no license, we discover. I assume it was taken away from him, though maybe he's just someone who doesn't like having a license, like me. Seemingly, though, he just kind of wants to go on to the case that she's been called on, because I guess he's not getting a lot of work. Or something. I don't know. It's all very murky. I don't know what's going on. Have you (laughs) fucking figured that out yet? I don't know what the fuck is going on scene for scene. Anyway, so the call is the missing mom. Uh, while Ferguson interviews a witness, Harry decides to just go through her car, uh, where he discovers clippings of J.K. Simmons, <laughs> which I like to think we all have in our cars. <laughs> Ever since Oz. And from that, we go from the actual plot of the movie. We cut to another city. We cut to Bergen, where a man whom we have not met at this point is talking to Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer has kind of a mullet. Um, he's a little dapperly dressed. You know, just a little bit, not that, not that much. I'm not trying to impress anyone, but, you know, he doesn't want to look like a slob. He is also dubbed. <laughs> you know, the first time you mentioned this, I thought you were fucking with me. Val Kilmer is dubbed by whom? I don't know. He could be himself. Honestly, it, it's possible it is. It, it's entirely possible it's dubbed by Val Kilmer. It sounds exactly like he's dubbed by Tom Berenger. <laughs> So imagine a dying of cancer Val Kilmer with a mullet playing a Norwegian, but dubbed by Tom Berenger. I can't. No, it's not. Those things don't fit together in my head. The man who's talking to Kilmer, it turns out his wife is missing. And despite Kilmer having been suspended from the police force, we discovered through dialogue, he is apparently a great detective and this guy wants his help. And more importantly, he wants to keep it quiet. For reasons that are never made clear throughout the rest of the film. Okay, so we've got a down-on-his-luck super reporter, or a super investigator, asking for the help of another down-on-his-luck super investigator? No, I have no idea who the other guy is. Oh, okay. We've never met this character before. We're just, we just cut to this randomly. 
Um, this is Kilmer scene one. It it now it's kind of connected when we cut back to Harry because the the same photo of the missing wife that Kilmer now has to go find is in a folder that Harry's looking at in her car. I'm only vaguely aware of what this means on viewing two. <laughs> so Harry then is looking at the uh, snowman that's outside the the missing woman's house. And at this point, he's reminded of the little snowman drawing. Um, oh, and this snowman that's outside this house, it's a sad, sad snowman. Like, so sad. It's just depressing. Uh, all the snowmen end up having different faces. Does it have a coffee bean frown? They all, all, all. That is what differentiates normal snowman from serial killer evil snowman. Okay. Um, yep. It's at this point, I, I, it occurs to me that I don't know why a fucking weird mystery letter seemingly from a serial killer has been of zero concern to Harry up until this point. The letters the serial killer writes barely fucking come up. <laughs> um, so Harry at this point just steals some shit out of Ferguson's car and takes it home. Uh, the file <laughs> with that missing wife at Kilmer is, I, I guess, going to track down. Uh, along with a grisly crime scene photo of a woman's body that's been, like, cut up into various pieces. Kind of an anatomy of a murderer sort of way. Uh, then we cut to Kilmer listening to his police radio like he's fucking Batman again or something. Um, and he hears a report of a body being found. So um, dubbed Kilmer goes to the crime scene where <laughs> no one is happy to see him. And I don't know if he's like supposed to be a loose cannon cop with nothing to lose or, or what's going on. All I know is Toby Jones is pissed and doesn't want him there. Toby Jones is in this? <laughs> the cast just keeps unfolding to me, like, throughout wow. the film, and I'm shocked constantly. I'll see, do you think they just felt that he squandered his role as Batman? Either that, or they felt like Tom Berenger should have been Batman. <laughs> so, uh, I know that they don't want Kilmer there, and Toby Jones is pissed, because to cover up the fact that Kilmer is dubbed... This entire scene is done with other characters talking over a radio that's been placed over top the scene, describing what's happening in the movie. <laughs> is this Repo the Genetic Opera? Or are they just assembling movies out of spare footage? <laughs> so, yes. Um, so it just looks like Kilmer and, and Toby Jones are staring at each other with radio chatter over top, and then Kilmer walks off. <laughs> Uh, Kilmer finds a snowman, and then he fires a gun into the air, making seagulls scatter, revealing that they've been feeding on a corpse of a woman who's been cut up a lot like the way in the photo that Harry's been looking at. I have no idea if this is in the past. I don't know if this is in the present. It could be the future. I don't know what the fuck's going on. End of Kilmer scene two. <laughs> Ferguson then goes to a restaurant where Harry's at and confronts Harry on the fact that he stole her shit. But he reveals that she, in fact, stole the file from the cold case archives, which I guess means that was in the past or whether or not that was a different. I don't know. So she tells Harry about a like slew of missing women, including that one they were just at. were all similar. It's women who went missing while it was snowing. Harry even reminds her in the movie that it's Norway in the winter. That means nothing. <laughs> Harry is somehow like both a terrible policeman and really sensible. 
It's, so it's kind of just like he's not really a cop. He's just kind of a normal dude with some common sense, but has no idea how police work works. Uh, is he just not sure from idiocracy? <laughs> like he's the smartest man in Norway. So all, all, all the missing women were married and had children. So to this point, I've kind of figured out that based on the opening we saw... That maybe like all of the women were probably ha- and and based on some other stuff uh, involving the missing woman, all these women were probably having affairs since that was kind of obvious. The last two missing women we've been introduced and the opening flashback. So the mystery of the film is pointless at thirty three minutes in because you're about forty five minutes ahead of all the characters. <laughs> So that's super helpful. A mysterious gated mansion we cut to now. No. Two women approach us. <laughs> One nervously rings the buzzer. She is let in. The other woman tells her, it's okay, go on, go on, go on. She approaches the door and enters. Ferguson is watching this. We then cut away to Harry and Gainsbourg watching Oleg's hockey game before we learn what the fuck that was. <laughs> if I can jump back a second, I love the idea of Jamie shouting "No" at the movie and having it have an impact. Like it's one of those really bad movies uh, from years ago where they they gave you the DVD option of like pick your own adventure, where you could be like, "Oh, the character goes down the hallway." You push left on the remote, and your character does something random. There were like three movies made with that functionality in the 2000s, and it cracked me up each time. And- that's why I couldn't watch the end of Joyride. I'm like, no, just go home. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so during the hockey game, we meet Gainsburg's boyfriend or husband, or I, I, I don't know. Um, but he's like some nice guy, surgeon fellow. I don't know his name. Um, he ends up giving Harry a prescription or something to help with sleep, and Harry's fascinated that he can do that with his phone. Anyway, so... <laughs> this is a murder mystery. So Oleg and Harry go to a concert afterwards. Though, first, they end up having this, like, tense conversation while eating ice cream about Oleg wanting to meet his real father. Imagine, if you will, a tense father-son conversation where every statement... No matter how short, no matter how long, is punctuated by a bite and lick of ice cream from a cone, lip smack <laughs> included. Your mother's just trying to do the best for you. I don't want her to baby me. Uh, oh, God. You know what would be so fucking sad? What if the serial killer note was just left by his son and that's why he's ignoring it? <laughs> God, that's, bum, so de- bum, bum. that's so depressing. Stop making the movie worse somehow. <laughs> um, so d- despite not having a good time at the concert because they don't like the band, Harry and Oleg plan a uh, a camping trip, which Oleg's school is, is holding. It's like a father-son camping trip. Uh, Oleg finds a little weird that Harry wants to go on it despite him you know, being his mom's ex and all. But, you know, they agree. They're, they're both excited. This is a murder mystery. <laughs> And to go back to the concert for a minute, I do agree with them that it was terrible because, oh my god, this this is like the tone of the film in music form. It is some bloopy music. 
and there's a bald guy on stage screaming and spinning around in a circle. And I mean, like, actually screaming. It's not sing screaming or anything like that. He's just making hyper scream sounds. Ah! 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 That's it. You've insulted our Norwegian national hero, Jorgen Jorgenstein. <laughs> he was our former president. Levenge, this was not. Come on, Mike. Sing us a song. You're the music, Mike. Never call me that again, all because vaguely is, uh, has a nice litter of pattern to it. <laughs> um, but back to this piece of shit. Um, Oleg's <laughs> crappy birthday bash aside, uh, there's like another missing woman apparently. Um, Ferguson comes and, and gets Harry because the husband of the missing woman asked for Harry specifically. Because once again, Harry's like a fucking superhero in this universe, I guess. Uh, uh, oh, and, and somewhere in, in during all of this, we get Fassbender solemnly looking out his window while wearing nothing but underwear. <laughs> so the so the inside of my memory palace is what you're saying and for no reason too like i don't know why this is in here because ferguson calls him there there's a um a, a missing woman i'll deal with it tomorrow <laughs> she's already gone what do i have to care also uh i'm a stickler for the rules when it comes to these moments it's not a male action hero but stare moment Unless he's staring out the window without underwear. I mean, normally helps, like, Hello Darkness, My Old Friend is playing. That always gives it away to me. There was a lot of blue lighting, if that helps. Still not a full Estevez. Uh, so, they arrive at this uh, apparently missing woman's house to find weird, like, boop-bop music playing in her house. Like, just a series of sounds of beeps and boops to a vague beep. I'm just, I want to blow my fucking brains out. Um, they also find the missing woman. Not missing. Just perfectly fine and slaughtering some chickens. Also, it's Chloe Savini. <laughs> I like how other movies' casts reveal themselves. This cast oozes gradually through the movie. <laughs> So everyone's obviously really confused, and Harry and Ferguson uh, end up leaving, assuming it was like a crank call or something. Uh, uh, Savini calls her husband, who um, called in the report, apparently, and tells him the child is not his. I'm sorry, was not his. Dun-dun-dun. Uh, um, she then turns from the phone call to find a bloody baby doll on the chopping block where she kills her chickens. She is then murdered, um, and the killer uses, like, some kind of weird serial killer machine uh, to take, like, her head and limbs apart. That's like, wires, like, a gun with, like, wire on it and shit that, uh, that whirls up and um, immediately, like, decapitates her and, and all that shit. It's a flying guillotine? Arguably, it's, like, the only interesting part of the entire movie is this fucking weapon. So, like, a fucking Saw movie just wandered in for a minute? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, okay. it's, it's at this point, Harry and Ferguson um, get a missing person call for the same woman. They've only left, who's just a little bit down the road. And Harry's once again asked for personally. Uh, so they turn around. Uh, you know, it's dramatic. Like, holy shit, what's happening? And I'm bored, and it's only 45 minutes into the fucking movie. Uh, but after they turn around, though, it's like the best part, because we get... Sinister snowman building. No! 
Dun, dun, dun. Like, okay, all the shit talk, this movie is worth it for watching a snowman get built in the most evil of manners. <laughs> how do you even, I don't understand, how do you build an evil, like, okay, I understand making an evil snowman, sure, slanty eyebrows or whatever. I, I, how do you make building a snowman evil? You have to see it to believe it, go watch the snowman. No. That's what happens when you make a snowman out of blood, Cody. <laughs> That would just look like they're making a really shitty slushy snowman. <laughs> but seems like it would be delicious, right? It, right. it doesn't have to be good, it just has to be evil. <laughs> uh, uh, continuing on, um, Harry and Ferguson arrive back at the house to... Um, so they, they arrive back at Chloe Savini's place to find Chloe Savini looking for Chloe Savini. But... It, it turns out she has a twin sister because this movie just beats the shit out of your senses. Like, left and right, it just beats the fuck out of you. Ah, uh, the old twin route. Is the snowman accidentally a David Lynch movie? It's very close to it. Um, and, and you and you don't know how right you are because, yes, during this part, Harry does, in fact, find a snowman in which the severed head of Chloe Savini is the head of the snowman. And, yeah, it looks hilarious. <laughs> Would it just fall right through? And, you know, he put a stake in there. It's cold. So they uh, they question Chloe Savini about Chloe Savini, and Chloe Savini reveals that Chloe Savini recently had an abortion, and uh, Chloe Savini didn't know who the father was. It turns out his father was a snowman the entire time. <laughs> Snow dick, of course. It's, it's at this point we finally return to J.K. Simmons to find out who the fuck J.K. Simmons is, and it turns out he is... A rich dude. Uh, I, I'm sorry. He is. He's called a king of industry. Um, he owns a newspaper. <laughs> and he's. I, it was very hard. Like, should I just call him JJ Jameson the entire episode, or just let it go? Um, but I felt. I felt it would besmirch the name of J Jonah Jameson. Um, but anyway, uh, J.K. Simmons in this film is trying to bring the Winter Games, the Winter Cup, to Oslo. And it's during this part we also meet up with the girl who entered the mysterious mansion. And at this party where uh, he's trying to drum up uh, business for bringing the Winter Cup to Oslo, uh, Ferguson is also there recording him secretly. And Harry is also there, but it's completely unrelated. <laughs> he's, uh, he's only there because his boss is there, and he's finally giving his boss the letter from the killer. <laughs> A damn week later. You mean you, what you mean to say is he's hard up for evidence, so he's passing on his son's drawing, <laughs> the pretense that it's creepy enough to count. Oh yeah, it's just a deranged mind here. Why is it signed Oleg? Oh my God, my son's the killer. Arrest him. This way, I'll never have to remember his birthday. <sighs> but anyway, J.K. Simmons is brought Mansion Girl by the guy the mansion belongs to who then takes off Mansion Girl's clothes to show, like, her off, I guess. J.K. Simmons then takes her photo, and Mansion Girl goes running off crying, and J.K. Simmons calls, like, creepy Mansion Guy an idiot. And I have no idea what's happening. 
<laughs> what does um, any of this have to do with getting pictures of the snowman? Parker. Um, so Harry goes home and takes some of those pills he was prescribed. And um, in his apartment, that uh, that weird bloopy music that was playing at Chloe Savini's uh, place is, is playing again. And the mold guy is like dancing to it in his full hazmat suit. <laughs> so we are in a David Lynch movie. <laughs> uh, but as it becomes clear to us after he leaves, this isn't the mold guy. Harry just doesn't know this because he's wearing a respirator mask. So that means that's the killer, and that's the killer's favorite music. <laughs> Is it Dennis Nilsson? This means nothing, by the way. This means absolutely <laughs> nothing. Um, because, like all things, we're just moving on from every single event in this film because the movie doesn't care about itself. Uh, this is just a collection of scenes, like, tenuously connected, slapped back-to-back, -back because they didn't film the entire fucking script, and there was no way to fix this fucking train wreck of a goddamn picture. <laughs> this flick is as boring as my balls, and I'm out of patience even <laughs> describing it. Both the movie and your balls. This could have used uh. a little bit of that William Castle magic. <laughs> Some of the goose magic. Some of the goose magic. Every couple of scenes, you have a heartbeat O sensor. So Harry uh, goes to figure out how the killer could have possibly known Chloe Savini. No, not that Chloe Savini. The other Chloe Savini was pregnant. I was about to ask. Can we uh, can we label these like Chloe Savini one and two or Prime and? No, you uh, will be as confused as the movie goddamn wants you to be. Okay. Uh, but through this, we learned that uh, Creepy Mansion Guy uh, is actually a pregnancy doctor. Now, A doctor of pregnancy? Oh, he, he's called a pregnancy doctor in the movie, so that's just the descriptor <laughs> I'm going to use. Um, Hello, I am pregnancy doctor. I see you have pregnancy. May I doctor it? <laughs> Hello, Mr. Pregnancy Doctor. Would you like to play a game with me in the snow? <laughs> Oleg, no. God damn it, I will get you that puppy one day! <laughs> Stop like turning people into snowmen just so we can hang out. Poor retarded Oleg. Um, <laughs> creepy mansion abortion guy, um, whom he shall now be known, um, appears to be connected to the missing women. Uh, so Harry and Ferguson go off to confront creepy mansion abortion doctor guy at his creepy mansion. Uh, where Ferguson, like, immediately derails the questioning about the missing girls to ask about J.K. Simmons. You know, I want to add an adjective here based on uh, this scene, actually, where he has, like, his shirt unbuttoned and shit. I'm going to add another <laughs> adjective to his descriptor. Um, creepy mansion abortion sleazy, Dr. Guy. Ooh, jeez, that's a mouthful, though. I know, I'll simplify it from now on, but I just wanted to get that in there. So after that fails miserably. Harry goes to his tech gal, because I guess he has a felicity now, um, to get into Ferguson's <laughs> private computer. Turns out her password is Cloudberry. This will be important later, sort of. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. And he ends up finding a bunch of... I lie, it's actually this kind of ties things together, but, you know, fuck this movie anyway. He finds a bunch of surveillance footage of J.K. Simmons. This leads to a hilarious moment, honestly. Where Harry is brooding, like, in his um, office, which is honestly just a library. And uh, he's smoking and, and shit, and he, and he, he shares this, uh, this office with Ferguson. And he sits down, as he's seemingly alone, he sits down. And then suddenly, from the other side of his desk, Ferguson's head pops up like the fucking gopher from Caddyshack. 
<laughs> and asks him if he needs a ride. Never ask that of Michael Fassbender, trust me. <laughs> Swinging pendulum desire. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then Harry runs out into the rain and starts crying. No. Um, but after she leaves, he um, he ends up pulling her desk apart to get into her locked drawer. And I'd like to take a moment. Oh, no. Because I went during this scene, holy shit, I have never actually seen anybody in a film, in a TV show, just take out the back of the locked drawer and then just reach into the drawer and pull out what the fuck they need. Why the fuck isn't this a thing? That's so simple. Like, instead of picking the lock, you just take out the back of the fucking drawer. <laughs> this movie giving me crime ideas aside, um, he pulls out a mention of Kilmer in the in the files. Uh, I just want to say this does not count as a Kilmer scene. His name is just in there for a quick second. Gotcha. Also is a picture of a man with no head holding a shotgun. Dead, obviously. Obviously dead, not Kurt Cobain. And and all this shit went down the city of Bergen, where where we've seen Kilmer, where Ferguson's came from. I mean, it's of importance, but is not, is not... Bergen going to be more important? Can we change the movie title to Bad News Bergen? <sighs> See, now I'm mad because Harry does in fact go to Bergen in the next scene. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the that's that's this portion of the movie. You win, Cody. Yeah, I'm a mystery solver. Hey, William Castle would be so happy. Um, so on the train. Where he's in the children's carriage, let that sink in. Um, he bumps into nice guy, surgeon, boyfriend, man of Charlotte Gainsbourg. It's uh, it's here where Harry is reminded about Oleg's camping trip, which is that very day. And we cut to Oleg literally standing at a bus stop, holding a shit ton of camping gear and waiting for Harry. So, luckily. Nice guy, surgeon, boyfriend, dude, calls Gainsburg and covers for Harry, saying he, you know, never got Harry's voicemails and stuff, and, you know, Harry totally didn't forget, because nice guy, surgeon, dude is a nice guy, surgeon, dude. So that's great. There's, 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 there's a nice character. This is a murder mystery, by the way. Murder mystery. Camping trip. In Bergen, Harry, holding a shopping bag containing his belongings for some reason, once again, meets up with the guy who hired Kilmer to answer some questions about J.K. Simmons. So we're introduced to that character, finally. Now, Simmons was banging this dude's missing wife, um, if that had not previously been abundantly clear based on J.K. Simmons being important to the plot. Um, the, the big twist here, though, is that sleazy mansion abortion doctor guy, they've never heard of him. He wasn't their doctor. Now, if you've been at all interested in this mystery previously to this point, um, of which you are not at all interested in this no. mystery, this will be no. shocking to you in some form. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um, there's like another hour left in this thing, so just feel free to pretend that you're, you're shocked and invested. Uh, it's at this point we meet back up with dubbed Kilmer, um, and he's in a bathtub growling. <laughs> <laughs> are the growls dubbed? Yes. Did they need to ADR different tones of growl when the script changed? <sighs> so, he hears someone come into his house, uh, and he investigates in a robe, looking exactly like a man who has cancer, and he finds snowy footprints and a letter, which I will now read because I transcribed this one too. Mr. Police, sorry to interrupt your drinking. You were finding out a lot about me. Do you want to find out more? Let's have a cup of coffee in your hut. 
and then the drawing of a snowman. Oleg is so lonely, he's trying to spend time with other cops, because they might <laughs> let him get to know his dad. Other alcoholic cops, to be specific. <laughs> Oleg has a type. So, from that, cut to dubbed Kilmer in the Bergen Police Headquarters, talking on the phone, while a balloon-filled party is going on behind him. Toby Jones is holding a balloon. <laughs> Is this important to the serial killer plot? No. Is is he sad while holding the balloon? No, he's thrilled. He's so happy. Maybe it's his party. Maybe it's a birthday party. Mike, I'm I'm calling this in the episode, so you'll remember. Can that please be the episode image? Just smiling, Toby (laughs) Jones, the balloon. I think it's better if he's sad. Like a sad man holding a balloon is normally funny. Sad Toby Jones, though. Stop making this movie more depressing. Sad Toby Jones and his balloon. It's a new sad folk song. So while everyone's singing and passing out balloons and stuff directly behind him, uh, Kilmer's trying to find out about possible abortions in regards to the missing woman. Please tell me he's still in the robe. (laughs) Oh, God, if only. Um, But he does does yell at the woman on the phone, and he's dubbed, so it's hilarious. (laughs) How horrifying is that a dubbed-over Val Kilmer coming into a police station yelling at you about abortion while he may or may not be wearing a robe. And his face can't move. <laughs> and it's this at this point, after he hangs up angrily, he angrily grabs a squirt bottle full of liquor, throws some shit aside, opens a window, and climbs out. Val Kilmer wasn't supposed to be in this movie, was he? That just <laughs> happened. While on the side of a building, Kilmer holds a squirt bottle full of liquor to his dick, making humping motions towards Toby Jones and squirting from it. What? That's a good vodka. He then drinks from the bottle while standing on the edge of the building. This is Kilmer, scene three. We will not see this character again. (laughs) Goodbye, Kilmer. Goodbye, Kilmer, actually, is a fantastic name for a band. <laughs> really is. We're a children's book. That's what Oleg needs. Goodbye, Kilmer. Good night, Moon. Goodbye, Batman. Gone so soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so from Kilmer on the side of the building getting drunk, Harry is now talking to Toby Jones. There is no party going on. And <laughs> Harry is asking about the photo of the man with no head holding a shotgun. Wait, did they um, make everybody leave because of Kilmer? <laughs> Everyone just go home. You'll only just encourage him. <laughs> sir, sir, he is pooping. No, Veronica, you're encouraging him. Don't look. Um, uh, Was this The Simpsons? Just don't look. Just don't just look. Just don't look. Um, but we, we find out the uh, the man who, who killed himself was a detective. He had been suspended. They found him dead in his cabin. You know, it's an obvious-looking suicide. They, 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 you know, they, they didn't investigate any further because of that. There's only an hour left in the movie, thank God. One weird thing during this scene is Harry pointing out coffee beans on the ground around the corpse in this black-and-white photo. Uh, this is where they also fuck up, because Harry's pointing the shit on the ground. He somehow calls out the fact that they're coffee beans. 
You can pretty much see nothing in the photo. I don't know how you <laughs> fuck up a photo that needs to show there's coffee beans in it. No, no, Just no, no. Just put dots on it. Harry took this photo home. He Blade Runnered it. Enhance. Enhance. Sector 7G. No, 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 no. Enhance. No, the snake tattoo on the dead man. Yes, right there. Oh, God. Talk about my memory palace. That's my memory palace. Michael Fassbender in a noir cyberpunk cityscape, muttering enhance in a lonely apartment <laughs> while jazz plays. <laughs> I feel like we're two years away from that. Uh, so while Harry uh, investigates this, uh, this, this murder cabin, let's face it, uh, Ferguson is informed that the missing mother of the little girl, uh, her cell phone just got turned on. And its location is Sleazy Abortion Mansion and Sleazy Abortion Doctor. Now, this is obviously a trap, and the audience knows it, um, because we just <laughs> found out from info Harry got that Sleazy Abortion Doctor has nothing to do with anything putting us a mile ahead of Ferguson and the scene we have to watch, making all of this prelude to nothing. Oh, Jesus. So, while Ferguson walks into the killer's trap, Harry discovers in the cabin that Ferguson is in reality the daughter of the headless corpse holding a shotgun. Uh, oh. This is intercut with the discovery of Sleazy Mansion Abortion Guy's doctor's corpse, which has been set up in a recreation of her father's death in his garage. Because, once again, clearly it was not suicide, but murder. Murder bum, must call. I mean, uh, not to jump ahead here again, but twice I've watched this movie, and I'm still, like, on shaky ground about how related any of this is. And the movie does kind of just give up with it eventually, in, in a lot of instances. So, oh, also, there's a shot of a, right after she finds the corpse, a shot of a shocked snowman with, like, its hands up, look with a, like, gasp. <laughs> Look on its face as if the movie itself is going dun dun dun. <laughs> Spring is coming. Uh, so in sleazy abortion guy, uh, Doc's freezer, they find like heads and body parts and shits. Uh, Harry immediately calls out how obvious of a frame job all of this is within like seconds, like calling out how nothing makes any sense. But the, the his, his boss just doesn't want to hear it. Um, also, Ferguson has been suspended for some reason because just, they just everyone. Want the movie to end. Everyone in this movie is just bad at their job. Also, Oleg ran away. Oh, come on, Oleg! <laughs> well, I mean, after Kilmer abandoned him, <laughs> the discovery of the fact Oleg ran away is unrelated to the next scene because oh, because Harry immediately goes to confront Ferguson. So I don't know why we've discovered that Oleg ran away already. It's so unimportant in this moment. But anyway, uh, Harry goes to confront Ferguson over, you know, the info he found out in Bergen. He enters her place and she attacks uh, for some reason. Uh, I don't know why uh, they wrestle in possibly one of the most dumbfounding fucking scenes I've ever witnessed. This is the actually the exact scene where I realize this is just the fucking room. This is just the room. Because to stop her, Harry lays on top of her after he gets her to the ground. He just goes like a plank and lays on top of her to keep her from not beating him up anymore. And then in that position, laying there, 
they have an emotional scene about her father and her obsessive hunt for his killer, which she believes to be J.K. Simmons, while Harry is just laying on top of her, and they're both pretty much staring directly into camera, seemingly pleading with their eyes for some sort of explanation as to why the scene is being staged this way and why it's not ending. You know the scene in Green Lantern where Hammond and Hal have a scene laying down next to each other? Imagine that. And now's the part where the William Castle ghost comes into the room and is like, now you must tell the actors what's going on in this scene. <laughs> Seriously, you have described this scene to us on a couple of occasions since watching this movie. And I can only speak for myself, but I always assumed there was a key element you were leaving out. What a <laughs> fool I was. <laughs> this actually makes less sense in context. Oh, I'm, I'm going to try to make sense of what doesn't make sense. So of, of, of the plot of the movie here for a second. Um, also, to make the laying on top of each other thing even more nonsensical, they, they eventually move from that position and continue the conversation, making it null and void why they need to be laying on top of one another to have that emotional conversation. Anyway, so... Do you think she was just like, you know what, we gotta do this anyway. Can Fassbender lay on me? I mean, can I get something out of this? <laughs> I've seen it. I've watched Shame. <laughs> um, I like how that's everyone's catchphrase around Fassbender. I've seen Shame. Um... <laughs> And then Fassbender runs out into the rain, crying. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So the missing wife that Ferguson's father was investigating had been having an affair with J.K. Simmons. The sleazy abortion doc is J.K. Simmons's pimp, um, who brings him like girls and shit. J.K. Simmons and sleazy abortion doc were also around the murders, making it likely to Ferguson that not only did J.K. Simmons kill her father, but is also the serial killer whom is never once ever referred to as the snowman. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Does that mean that in the context of this adaptation, the snowman is the one going, <laughs> Yes. So the title is That Snowman We Found That Time. <laughs> Makes as much sense as anything else in this movie. Oh, uh, it's actually Michael Keaton as Jack Frost. That's the killer. <laughs> Dad is the Ooh, snowman? <laughs> so it's during this scene where Fassbender was just laying on top of Ferguson. They were staring directly in the camera. Is when they decide to throw in the big moments where Ferguson gives Harry a drink. And he chooses not to drink it. Yeah. Because just throwing a care that big character changing moment out of nowhere with no build up <laughs> at all, um, Harry then takes Ferguson's gun, wants wants her gun, takes takes her gun, and uh, he, he well before he leaves he gives her an incredibly awkward hug from behind, which is weird, uh, and then he leaves. Ferguson then reaches into her oven and gets out another gun. <laughs> that's a bad place to store those um and she leaves to go to confront jk simmons and while she's walking down the street she passes a snowman but it's it's not one of the evil snowmen it's a normal snowman 
until the camera pans around the back of the snowman, revealing on the back of that snowman's head, it has the second face of an evil snowman. No! The Professor Quirrell Man. It was very much that. Um, So this means nothing, like everything else in this fucking picture. So Harry is now on the floor of his apartment listening to records, because I guess he's a music fan now. This hadn't been introduced previously. Uh, Gainsburg shows up to tell Harry that Oleg ran away. We then immediately cut back to Ferguson, and I want to cry from this whiplash editing that's about to get so bad, I had to, against my better will, against my judgment... Rewind twice so I could figure out what was going on. <laughs> you burned it to a VHS tape just so you could hear the click whir <laughs> as you rewound time to watch it again. So from Gainsborough going Oleg ran away, we immediately cut to J.K. Simmons with a Norwegian ag- accent uh, talking about the Winter World Cup passionately. Um, okay, I just want to see that independent of anything else in that movie. <laughs> I, I, I recommend looking up any scene with J.K. Simmons from this fucking movie. Um, from J.K. Simmons' speech about the Winter Cup, we immediately cut back to Gainsbourg telling Harry that Oleg is just at a friend's house, which makes all of that and all of this pointless. And just going back to this editing for a second, I want to take a moment to just say, as a rule of film, remember... Future filmmakers, not everything needs to be an intercut. That is not, not like? tension. It just confuses. Not not everything is symmetrical. Not everything plays together. Not everything needs to be intercut with one another. Ah, <sighs> I do like the implication, though, that this is some kind of Chinatown-like scheme. <laughs> to bring the world cup to Norway. <laughs> and that was just him laying it all out as all the tumblers go into place. <laughs> all the dominoes s- fall. That would have been so much more interesting. God the old damn. Norwegian snowman plot. Uh, <laughs> oh, I this can't believe we fell for it. Ocean's 14 got us. <laughs> okay, um... Fucking, also during this bit, we learned that Gainsbourg would rather be with Harry, which, trust me, if you watch the movie, is obvious from the onset. They end up nearly fucking, blah, 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 but we'll get back to all of that in a minute, because we immediately fucking cut back to Ferguson and J.K. Simmons, and Ferguson is incognito, uh, if only she was wearing a beret, but she's flirting with J.K. Simmons, who then takes a picture of her, because I guess that's his thing. Uh, his bodyguard gives her the key to his room for after the, um, for, you know, after World Cup lovemaking, I guess. Um, we immediately cut back to Gainsbourg straddling Harry and rubbing his face. Um, <laughs> to music, she dry grinds on him for, like, quite oh, a while. Oh, okay. I like Charlotte Gainsbourg, and she is not an unattractive woman, but... Why did sexual Gainsbourg become a thing in recent it's years? It's so weird. She's not Helen Mirren, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like having your boozy aunt hit hit on you. It's like, ah. And uh, go, going back to, to the sexy Gainsbourg in this movie, remember, Harry's supposed to be like 20 years older than Fassbender, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so that casting makes slightly more sense. But yeah, they they got to stop. Um, also, after she she dry grinds on him for a while, she then just gets up and walks away. 
And we just immediately cut back to Ferguson entering <laughs> J.K. Simmons' room. I can't Did do this anymore. Um, uh, in, in J.K. Simmons' room, she ends up setting up the most obvious fucking secret camera of all time. Just in the light, it's huge. It's a fucking it's tablet. It's a teddy bear. <laughs> like, it's fucking... No one is good at their job. Um, I cannot believe they resisted the obvious pull of making a little a little plush snowman. <laughs> like, oh, that was the snowman all along. Um, after she puts the camera up, we then immediately cut back to Gainsbourg and Harry. And uh, she gets a call from nice guy, doctor guy. And, um, and it's all very awkward because the dry humping that just happened. It's just all awkward. And from the awkwardness, we immediately cut back to Ferguson waiting for J.K. Simmons, which we then immediately cut back to Gainsbourg finding the pills that nice guy, doctor guy prescribed for Harry. This pisses her off for some reason that is never fucking explained. And she leaves. We then immediately cut back to Ferguson while she waits. She is startled. All of this has happened within the course of like two minutes and 55 goddamn seconds. Just cuts back to J.K. Simmons. Chaos is a ladder. <laughs> um, anyway, so Ferguson is, is startled, um, but nowhere near as startled as she needs to be, because what startles her are the sounds of whizzing wire. And I don't know about you, but if I'm, sl if I'm sitting in the dark on a bed in a strange hotel room, and then sounds of mechanical wiring begin to start. <laughs> I think either a serial killer is about to kill me, or an X-Men villain has arrived. <laughs> there is nothing in between that. Uh, this is obviously the serial killer mechanism we, we heard earlier take the life of poor, poor Chloe Savini. No, not that. Chloe Savini. Stop it. It is the other Chloe Savini. Get it right. So, while intercutting with the announcement of the World Cup coming to Oslo, which makes J.K. Simmons very happy, we're intercutting with Ferguson being attacked by the killer. Um, we also very hilariously briefly see his face due to some shoddy camera work. So, if you <laughs> folks at home have the snowman... I, I didn't do this, but you may want to go ahead and just pause on that shot, because, hey, that's the killer. <laughs> um, so he uh, cuts off one of her fingers so he can get into her uh, police tablet, which has a fingerprint code thing on it. Which is confusing, because she's suspended, right? Was I following right? Like, she wasn't actually on the force at the moment when she lost her finger? Correct. Yeah, so you'd like think uh, they'd like go, hey, <laughs> we have all down. of our confidential files, but hey, what, what, what do I know about policing? More than any character in this film. So the next morning, Harry is enjoying a nice cup of joe at his uh, window of the apartment he probably shouldn't be in because he's dying of black mold. Um, all of this is in his head. He's all hallucinating because of the mold. It uh, turns out he's Kilmer all along. <laughs> he's just dying of cancer. It's all dubbed by Fassbender. That's the clue. Um, Harry looks down from his window and sees on the top of his car the impression of a snowman. Bum, bum, bum. So he rushes down, opens up his car, and he finds Ferguson dead. Sort of. So... Like, okay, she's sort of dead, dead in the context of the film, but let me let me take a moment to explain some shit, because this is weird, because it just kind of looks like she's unconscious. Mm -hmm. um, 
I should mention that Ferguson's character does not die in the book and is in several books afterwards. Now, I'm pretty sure she wasn't supposed to die in the movie either, but they never shot more footage of her after this moment because of money, so they just edited in that she died. <laughs> Problem solved. So Harry ends up going through Ferguson's tablet files himself for clues, and she's, he, he sees some footage she recorded of her questioning uh, James Darcy, uh, in which James Darcy says, you know, some questionable and mysterious things don't quite line up with uh, things he told Harry earlier in the film. We also know this because, like, of also because of, like, a techno song that Harry kind of puts on for a second, because he rewinds and replays the mysterious thing Darcy says over and over again, like, 50 fucking times, because I guess he's fucking stupid, because no one's good at their goddamn job in this movie. So you just get Darcy saying three words over and 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 over for all the people in the back. So it turns out Darcy was lying to Harry about not going with his wife to the pregnancy doctor because he told Ferguson the opposite. And Harry wants some goddamn answers. And while questioning Darcy in this scene, the little girl, Darcy's uh, daughter, we'll say, uh, just suddenly rises up from outside the car they're talking and slams against the car window and yells, ah, and then just <laughs> stares at them both after startling them. Darcy tells her to go back inside, and then she slowly, creepily ducks down from the window, and you hear foot, footsteps running away. This has nothing to do with the scene at hand, other than finding out that uh, the little girl isn't actually Darcy's because poor James Darcy is infertile. And an, an infertile James Darcy is the saddest thing in this movie. I don't want to live in that world, so I'm glad the snowman <laughs> isn't real for multiple reasons. But anyway, that got very Lynchian. Um, long dramatic fucking story short, they didn't go to see sleazy abortion doctor mansion man guy. They saw this other doctor, and oh my god, there appears to be only one other doctor in the movie. And honestly, I've left out a lot, but if you've been watching the movie at all, in person, with it actually on your screen, A, I'm sorry, B... <laughs> It has been obvious for a while that, yeah, nice guy, surgeon, boyfriend, dude is the fucking killer. So Harry tries to warn Gainsbourg about this, but it's too late. It's nice guy, surgeon, serial killer dude has arrived to kidnap Gainsbourg and Oleg. I just um, want to say this is way funnier now to me because this entire time I've been imagining this character as Luke Wilson's cameo in Rushmore. <laughs> <laughs> you just added so much. Like, could you imagine his scenes with Oleg? Uh, these are OR scrubs. How are they? As he slowly draws a snowman on a sheet of paper. Oh my god, you have no idea how much funnier that makes the next scene because fucking he explains to o Oleg that they're not so different because they're both bastards. <laughs> um, and, and this is all intercut. With Harry in his house finding, like, all of the evidence in the world just laid out, like, on tables and shit. And a lot of, like, weird close-ups, like, quick, cut, quick cuts to a painting of baby chickens. Make of that what you will. Um, I guess there's symmetry with 
other Chloe Savini's tip, but not really. Wait, other Chloe Savini or other Chloe Savini? Other Chloe Savini. Oh, okay. okay. The joke is, there's actually a third one. Don't get the movie started. Um, don't look at it. It'll it'll start changing on you like the fucking staircase <laughs> in Harry Potter. Um, Shoot it. <laughs> That'll teach those wizards. <laughs> um. So fucking nice guy snowman is um tracked to that house from the very beginning of the movie, and there is like a. F- few things that tie some stuff together but it's like mind-numbingly confusing and it it's thrown at you in a rush like over the phone yelling at harry while harry's in a car rushing there so i've seen once again seen the movie twice couldn't tell you half the information that's being yelled at from over a phone the important thing is Harry arrives to confront nice guy, surgeon, snowman, dude. And he also somehow misses the fact that uh, Ferguson's finger is nailed to the front door for some <laughs> reason. Sinister what? reasons, I assume. Just just to be sinister. Long-standing Norwegian tradition. You, you put up a friendly finger on holidays. It keeps the crops away. Exactly. It wards off Santa Claus. No <laughs> gifts here this year. Um, Rebecca Ferguson's finger. Nothing but naughty children. Um, it has to be specifically Rebecca Ferguson's finger. So uh, Harry has to like answer questions and shit, or else Gainsburg dies. Like it's the fucking Riddler. Um, don't, they're sinister questions, I should say. They're not like Norwegian history again. Um, the the details of this confrontation are not important because um, I have, once again, for the 800th time, I have seen this movie twice, and besides understanding the killing women who have bastard children like him part, because in his eyes, I guess they're, like, doing it a service to the children or whatever, I, I guess, I don't understand anything else about his thing. Why the snow stuff? Why the snowman? Why most of it? Nearly every single motivation about this fucking character is murky, and I'm tired. I'm so very, very tired. Literally in my notes, they just stopped for a second, and I just wrote, I am so tired. So very, very, very tired. It's like you're at the end of a John Carpenter movie. Um, so, thank you, Cody. So, um, Harry ends up losing a finger saving Gainsbourg, which I assume will then be nailed to another door somewhere. Um, ah, so many lost fingers! And, uh, Harry and the killer wrestle again. Harry lays on top of him. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was Harry's move. Um, Just weighing his Im- immense girth onto people. It is awesome. The killer points the wire gun he has at Harry, but, like, I don't know what that's supposed to do. Because you kind of have to, like, wrap the wire around someone's neck or something first. And then, like, pull the trigger to tighten it so it does what it needs to do. So there's just funny shots of him holding it at Harry and then, like, pulling down the trigger so it's, like, making whizzing, whirling sounds at Harry (laughs) as they fight. There's just shooting wires at him that connect to nothing. (laughs) So, um... So Harry chases him out, like, onto the ice after Gainsbourg tells him to, like, go kill him. And, um... Oh, also, there's, as Harry runs out, there's a shot of 
the saddest of the evil snowmen so far, like, right outside the house. <laughs> like, this snowman is downright suicidally depressed. Oh, a little snowy. I feel bad for the snowman. This is the one Oleg probably made. <laughs> this anyway. is me when daddy does not come. <laughs> also, before he went after the snowman, did Gainsburg throw him a block of wood and say, you know what to do. That would have been more interesting than the actual confrontation that proceeds to happen. Because Harry walks out onto a frozen lake, going all like, fucking, come at me, bro! Uh, but sees no one around him. There is, there is just nothing but clearing. There's nowhere to hide. But somehow, Harry still gets shot. And the killer just walks out of nothing. Like, I don't know where he was hiding. He just walks <laughs> In the into frame. I, 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 I cannot stress enough, there was nowhere for this character to hide. We saw in all directions. Then suddenly Harry is shot from the direction he was just looking in. <laughs> and then the killer walks towards him from the direction Harry was just looking in. Because I guess he has the power of invisibility now or something. Is um, it possible he's composed of snow like a, <laughs> like a Flip Marco? You mean like someone who during his past as a boy, was turned into part snow after s falling into a frozen lake? Exactly! Some kind of snowman! So during this next part, Harry starts saying, like, a speech, and I wrote down most of it, because this is interesting. I know why you blame her. You've been wrong. It wasn't your mom who didn't want you, it was your father. It would have been better had you not been born. Which is Harry... Telling the serial killer and the movie that the serial killer's motivation and how he goes about being a serial killer was in the wrong direction the entire time and flawed terribly. He should have been going after the bastard fathers, not the mothers. <laughs> you dummy. So in the last moment, the movie calls itself stupid. <laughs> and then he and the snowman team up to take out deadbeat dads. To prove how stupid this all is and how stupid the serial killer is, he approaches Harry and then immediately falls through the ice and dies. <laughs> so God takes him out? We then go to the final scene of the film where Harry is back at police headquarters, not drunk, and taking on a new ca murder case that would have led into the next book in the series had this, you know, not been botched so poorly and actually made money. Credits! That's the ending. <sighs> Why was the World Cup a factor? Normally with a murder mystery, like, there's some fun going on, like, oh, boy, I can't wait to see how they resolve this. No. It's, it's just funny because movies aren't supposed to be this bad anymore. <laughs> like, it's weirdly an event whenever you get something like The Wicker Man these days. Yeah, when a movie is well-funded, you just assume, like, there will be enough guarantees of quality where, like, it'll be passable. It'll be bland, if nothing else, you know? It's weirdly exciting when a movie comes along that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I just assume there's enough people watching these things, like, through dailies and whatnot, where they're like, oh, maybe we should fix this. Like, there, there's so many review points. When the script is coming together, you think someone would read that and go, okay, like, point... B and C never connect. We should we should do something about that before we film. Or then when they're filming, you have the dailies, so you have an idea of like how daily progress is coming together. And then at the end, when editing, you have to see how it all plugs together. You would 
maybe it's too late for reshoots, but you'd think at that point, like, oh, shit, we have to do something. That's why you redub Val Kilmer, Cody. <laughs> Quick, let me turn up this radio to explain plot. God, what's sad is you know there was one day, like one specific moment, where they looked at footage, looked at each other, and went, fuck. Well, uh, we're out of the job forever. Goodbye. What do you do at that point? Like, it has to happen to a lot of directors. They're putting something together, they realize it's bad. You have to move forward. But then it's got to be terrible on big-budget movies, because you actually have to go through the the attempt to sell it to people like you have to go on jay leno and sell it to an audience you have to show clips from this turd and tell people it's great you go on radio shows and say it's awesome and then they ask you like hey do you want to do an audio commentary all the while you have sitting in the back of your head like oh i have made garbage you have to be ll cool j and promote rollerball <laughs> the weird thing is i bet some people probably don't even realize it they just make a bad movie and then they go oh this is great and then they're surprised when everyone else in the world thinks like no you're an idiot this is real bad so, I have an addendum. Oh, is there a post-credit tag? Mercifully, no. Um, so, after rewatching the movie in, in, in preparation for this over the course of six hours, I decided after it ended to go on the wiki page for this film. Within that page, I discovered that uh, something I had kind of thought, uh, but I wasn't sure... On, I discovered it was in reality true. Kilmer was Ferguson's father, and those were flashbacks. What? <laughs> oh, well. all, all those scenes took place in the past, showing, I guess, like what happened to that character. And I've seen this movie twice, and it took a Wikipedia page to explain this to me. Now, I will concede a little bit that maybe. I could have paid a little bit more attention, or I could have more easily gleaned this from the movie. There are things the second time I was picking up on, I was like, is that what it's going for? But I kept thinking I was wrong, and the movie was clearly showing something that wasn't flashback. Um, or if it was, it was a different character, because they don't share a last name or anything. Um, and, and mostly because, like, user error on my part aside... Uh, the fact remains that there is zero fucking indication that we're seeing flashbacks. And the way they come in and the way by the time the parts where it's revealed that Rafto and Ferguson's character are related comes so far after that, you'd have to mentally go back and go, oh, those were flashbacks. Like, so when Harry's asking about Rafto, what? Kilmer's character. I honestly figured that that was a different character than her father, and they were just on the same police department or something in the past because those scenes, they always seem like they were taking place concurrently. What I'm saying is, fuck this movie. <laughs> Did Toby Jones just not age? <laughs> like, the only thing that changed is he lost a balloon and stopped smiling. I'm also pretty sure they didn't film. 70% of Kilmer's scenes, which is why they end so abruptly, and a producer, because you can just remove those, especially if they're flashbacks, they don't need to be in the movie oh, yeah. at all. They serve no fucking purpose. Um, I'm just going to assume a producer really fucking wanted Kilmer in there. Mike, not to trouble you further, but does this movie have any audio commentaries? Um, I believe the director has disowned it. <laughs> Maybe even funnier if there was. 
by Kilmer, but it's dubbed. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into this quick. Excuse my typing. Going to Amazon, looking up the snowman. When I rented uh, it, um, I think it was a um, rental copy, so I didn't get special features. So, uh, well, let's see the snowman. Uh, in case anyone wants it real bad, currently you can buy a Blu-ray copy of it on Amazon for thirteen dollars, which Steep. Steep. A little steep. Uh, oh, fun. Here's the tagline. Soon the first snow will fall and the hunt for a killer begins. And there's a picture of Michael Fassbender standing in the snow looking very confused. He's also holding a gun. Anyways, let's... let's. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, they have a little cast section here. Uh, oh, it's not even the cast. They're, they're the actors. Uh, apparently Val Kilmer's character's name was Gert Rafto. Gert Rafto. Gert Raftamundo. Gert T. Moving on, moving on. Oh, and there's a little fact section. Uh, Harry Hole is to Oslo, which Sherlock Holmes is to London. That's very sad. And likewise has spawned a mini industry and can even book a Harry Hole tour. Okay. Do okay. not go on the Harry Hole tour. <laughs> Cody, I know you're reaching for your credit card, but contain yourself. It's not what you think. Um, I, I, let's, I just want to be fair for a second. The... The character and those books are incredibly fucking popular. They're, they're award-winning. They're bestsellers. This is the only adaption of it. It was completely botched. Everyone who's read the book said the movie has gone completely off book incredibly and really has absolutely nothing to do with the book whatsoever. So I, do not let this Tales from the Bop persuade you away from enjoying a a good Nesbo book. They're apparently, you know, fantastic and deserve much better than this. Box Office Pulp recommends not watching The Snowman, but instead reading The Snowman. One last fun little tidbit here. Uh, <laughs> director Thomas Alfredson was adamant from the start that the film be shot in Norway for authenticity, which... Considering apparently the amount filmed in London maybe is a bit of a womp womp kind of situation, but it's also English words everywhere. <laughs> and unfortunately, the the Blu-ray has limited special features, including a digital copy of the Snowman, a uh, feature called Cast of Characters, creating uh, Joe Nesbo's world, the Snowman Killer, Norwegian landscape, and Sunt Files, the Sinking Lake. Wow. We can finally go deeper into this story. Also, I'm, all I can imagine is you, one of us looking closely in the background of one of the scenes and Benedict Cumberbatch and Toby Jones are shooting their scene from the last <laughs> season of Sherlock. It's like, well, well, since we just have him around. Here's, um, here's a fun little anecdote. Joe Nesbo, who uh, is the author of the, uh, of the book series, filmed a cameo for the snowman. That scene was cut out. Oh. So they Scenes cut, were out cut out of this movie? <laughs> a lot. If you look at the trailer, there's like some explosions and some other shit that's not in the final film. Because they had, I mean, literally the director went in there to try to make a movie out of half of a screenplay that got filmed. <laughs> and unfortunately, out of that half, 90% of it was Val Kilmer flashbacks. All three scenes <laughs> that turns out were flashbacks. I learned something during this little excursion. Yeah. Um, the movie somehow makes less sense for it, so that's good. Every time something's explained to me that I, quote-unquote, missed from the film, I walk away more confused. 
It's like a jigsaw puzzle where every time you slap a piece down, all the other pieces move farther apart from each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the waters of Tartarus. (laughs) Well, I think we should have known we were in for when we looked at the Amazon reviews. Chris69 probably said it best with his review titled, Not Frosty! And I think that does it right there. Like, that's all we need to know. It wasn't frosty enough. You said it all, man. A guy with 69 in his name didn't like Hole. Although it's very surprising because his review says, takes so long to get to the meat of the story and too much personal travel, four out of five stars. The personal travel is what got him. That's it. Too much personal travel, four out of five stars. That's That knocked it down from a perfect entry. I think he fucked up and accidentally put too many stars on this thing. Look, right now it's going to get a sequel. I'm curious. Oh, that's neat. You can actually follow people on Amazon and like uh, stalk through their review history. Let's not go down this hole. Oh, it's too late. I'm already in it. Uh, so his, re- his review for Mom and Dad is five stars. It just says, calm down, Nick and Selma. Okay. Uh, five stars for Bruce Willis' Death Wish. Careful who you mess with. Not the usual Bruce Willis movie. Good stories. Good story, slow story, but worth the wait to watch. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just got thrown off by that because there's no punctuation in any of these reviews. It just says, good story, slow story. Is this our newly came from IMDb? I don't want to pick on this guy. I just like I'm having yeah, a fun are. time reading through so, these reviews. I so, what were you gonna stop now? He he's literally put everything at five stars except for the snowman. That's the one thing he has not reviewed with five stars. He's like super happy with all of his purchases except for the snowman. That's the one thing where he's like, I can't give it five stars. This is the one deal. Wow, that's the real tragedy. The snowman broke this dude's spirit. Sorry, Chris sixty nine. I collect skulls and have several of this one. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I just stumbled onto a part of his review history where he's, like, reviewing multiple skulls. I'm out. Tony, is this you? No, I don't have an Amazon review section. Oh, God, did we find the snowman, guys? I'm done, I'm out. Have I'm we out. stumbled onto a serial killer? I'm not losing any fingers. How will I ward off the Santa Claus? That's, I'm out of here before we lose anything else. Uh... <laughs> This has been Box Office Pulp warning you about snowmen and mysterious Amazon reviews. Make sure you wear gloves so it's harder to chop your fingers off when the time comes, people. I don't think there was a graceful way to exit out of that. Wait, wait, wait. Give me a second. Give me a second. Hold on. Hold on. Let me pull this back up on my phone. (laughs) Mr. Police, you could have saved her. I give you all the clues. Signed. Oh, let the snowman <laughs> send to Papa. <laughs> Speak circle, little circle, little bitty circle for the eye, little bitty circle for the other eye. And now we make the frowny face. Dot 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 dot. And then a little extra dot underneath the dot to make it kind of like an upside down smiley face kind of. Then we draw a line for the arm. Then line for the other arm. And then one finger, two finger, three finger, one finger, two finger, three finger, and 
Little circle for the top button. Little circle for the middle button. Little circle for the bottom button. And then we put in a little mailbox for scale. Oleg, I'm going to be honest, I'm one thing proud of the fact you spelled everything correctly, but it's a fucked up robot you drew. And like that, he's gone. Well, thank God that's over. <laughs> if you enjoyed this more than I enjoyed the snowman, and I hope so, then you can please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. We are on Twitter at boxofficepulp, and our website is boxofficepulp.blogspot.com. Look out, Mike, it's a snowman. Oh, my fingers! Oh, it's melting around me. That's inconvenient. Uh, oh, that's that's a horrifying way to kill somebody. You tie them up and then put a snowman on top of them so it drowns them. Oh, I was thinking you were just throwing a snowman at me, but it was hot out. So by the oh. time it got to me, it melted and just splashed me. Uh, Is wet. that a Rick? And, that just sounds like a Rick and Morty joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> but seriously, subscribe to us on iTunes. Good night, everybody. I don't That's know, this a wrap. Still Get going. the hell out of here. <laughs> this is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show. This meeting will come to order. The Legion of Pulp is now in session. In a moment, iTunes. Yes, Quizmotron. I was wondering, Emperor Palpatine, if I could perhaps. Box Office Pulp thinks we need a few items to pawn on the black market. Box Office Pulp guy, you have a podcast dedicated to movie analysis. Pinhead, your pleasure puzzles are deadly. Isaac, you've. you've got gone! Gone? What more do you need? How about a nuclear warhead? What? All other supervillains have them. With a nuclear warhead, I shall leave all other podcasts to tear themselves apart with paranoia. Box off his pulp wants a magic lasso to hang himself with. Can I get a ship in a bottle kit? I demand more corn. To make my own ship in a bottle. Oh, enough of this. The hell do I look like, Santa Claus? We're wasting valuable time. Right now, my Pope drones are rewriting Apple's code to make our podcast number one on iTunes. Excuse me, Emperor. Quizmotron, what is it? All Quizmotron wants is pants. A decent pair of pants. Darth Vader wants pants, too. Order! Order! Tune in next week at PopePodcastNetwork.wordpress.com. 
I don't even know how I deal with any of you on a daily basis. 